Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the vest. I have a special guest on with me today, Paul Phillips. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Let the listeners know a little bit about you. Can you hear me good? I've got Can you. Hear you. Me? Cool. Hey. Yes, yeah. sir. So I served in the Air Force with Ryan. Did I did my did about fifteen years in there and uh just recently retired moved back to the great state of michigan where uh you know my michigan wolverines are still six and oh and undefeated so it was a good football saturday yesterday how about you uh definitely a good football saturday um definitely some intriguing games i definitely tuned into the kansas tcu game after turning off the oklahoma game early um but definitely a lot of interesting games that definitely shape the the future of college football um, for week seven. And we'll kind of get into that here in a little bit. So why do you love college football so much? Oh, man. My first game, first game I went to, I was 11 years old, something like that. And it was the, the season opener for the Michigan National Championship against Colorado. And this is... This is back when Colorado was still kind of a juggernaut. They were still known for, for being a good football school. So my first game was in the big house against Colorado, Michigan, Charles Woodson, Brian Greasy at the helm, and, you know, the atmosphere. You just cannot you cannot beat it compared. You can't, you can't find that in the NFL. Yeah, that's, that's definitely one thing that college football has over – I would say a majority of the other sports. I mean, the only thing that probably comes close to it is is college basketball. Um, but you don't have the numbers there. You have the the loudness and the intensity because you're right on the court. But when you pack now was a hundred nine thousand into the big house, like that's just an astronomical number of fans to uh, yeah. like to watch a sporting event. Absolutely. It is insane. It's insane to see that many people in, in one one place. I mean, the first time I walked into a stadium, that stadium, I, it, the, the, the turf is like under the ground. So you walk in and you're not even realizing it. And you look down and all you see is the turf and all the seats. And it, it is just a surreal experience. Yeah, with the – I know World Cup, I think it's, what, 2026 is coming to the United States. I wish they would play some of the World Cup games in some of the college venues that can house, you know, the 90, 100,000 fans. Um, and I, I understand the reason behind that is because they're not necessarily in the best markets. They don't really have big cities around them. Um, so travel might be a little bit harder. But I feel a lot more fans would – drive the two, three, four hours to go to a game in, in Michigan or Penn State or LSU, um, uh, some of those big-name schools like stadiums um, to watch a, a World Cup game. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, on the other hand, I understand why they do it. And Honestly, money, money drives the picture there, so. You know, it is what it is, but at least we got the World Cup coming, okay? Yeah, definitely, and and that's gonna be a great time in in the the Northern Hemisphere, or at least the Americas, when Mexico, Canada, and USA um, host that here in a couple of years. Yeah, let's get into some of the games um, that we highlighted this week. 
Uh, we'll start off with your Michigan Wolverines taking on Indiana. Do I it. thought this Let's was a run. This was a lot closer than I was expecting, especially in the first half. Um, and there was some bad news in the first half with uh, the running back coach and former running back Mike Hart um, collapsing on the sidelines and needing to be carried off. Um, that had to take a toll on the the Wolverines to see one of their own kind of helpless. Yeah, I mean, uh, at first I I actually got up and went to the bathroom and didn't even know what happened. I I saw came back and both teams were kneeling down, so I was I was a little taken aback. But um, yeah, uh, hopefully my cart's okay. It turns out he had a seizure, so he should be fine. He's a big strong boy. Um, but yeah, um, that first half. That first half was a little, little tighter than I wanted to see. But uh, I think overall, if you look at the, if you go back and look at the game cast and the stats, I think Michigan handled the game uh, as they should. Um, that first half was a lot of. I think there was a lot of emotion. There was a there was a big uh, personal foul ball that kind of kept Indiana in the game, and they ended up scoring on that long drive because of that personal foul. So, I don't know. I I see your opinion on it, but I, I think they played pretty well. <clears throat> what, oh, yeah. what did you see? Oh, yeah, definitely Michigan. If you look at the stat line, I think Michigan was doubling their, their stat line in the first half. Um, and, I mean, it, it seems like Michigan does that so far week in and week out. They really haven't run away from – anyone in conference play in the first half is normally, Hey, we're going to grind you down the first half and almost kind of like um, the Tennessee Titans or Wisconsin, they're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, wear you out the first half. And then the second half, while Michigan's still fresh because they're the ones dominating the line, they're just going to open up holes in the second half and just slowly start, you know, pulling away. And I think that's what, that's what showed here. Um, yeah, and uh, I think I think there's a couple things at play here. Um, and if you watch, if you go back and watch that game, uh, Michigan needs to put a spy and a nickel down on the line because every pass Indiana made, eighty percent of them were were little swing swing plays out to the right or bubble screens. And man, that that's got to stop because Ohio State Ohio State plays that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and especially next week, welcoming in the Penn State Nittany Lions. And unfortunately, that game is a noon kickoff, which I'm not excited about. I know it. I would love to see I would love to see the big house. Kickoffs, you know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm fresh and ready to go. I crack a nice cold Miller light and here we go, boys. Let's watch some football. Um, I do find it funny that Michigan is trying to uh, I wouldn't say adopt because they've done it before. They've done it the past few years, but they're doing a maze out this weekend. Um, first, the Nittany Lions, which Penn State is 2-0 and this year. Purdue tried the blackout. Um, Auburn tried an orange out, and that didn't help them. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I, you know what? The stadium environment is the stadium environment. I don't even take that into account when I'm watching the game. I know. I know it's pretty infamous to go into uh, Beaver Stadium and be a whiteout, but you know, I don't, I don't see a maze out helping my boys in blue very much. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, but that 
definitely, I think um, Michigan will be tested in this one. Truly, truly test. Because um, looking back at some of their um, games, and we can talk about later when we discuss the Week 7 games, um, I have some interesting stat lines for you on on who's Michigan has played so far and who their their best win is, in my opinion, and where I truly see Michigan and um, and how this game will go. So, okay, let's hear it. But um, so we'll we'll cover the the other Big Ten team this week, which was Ohio State, um, since Penn State had a bye week. Yep. Um, so Ohio State was taking on Michigan State, and this was not really a game at all. Um, the Buckeyes welcomed back Trayvon Henderson after him being out several weeks due to a, a leg injury. Um, and they just steamrolled the the Spartans in this one. They were up 35-13 at half and then 49-13 to end of the third quarter. Um, and then Michigan State scored a late touchdown this one to make it somewhat close. But C.J. Stroud continues to solidify his Heisman campaign, in my opinion, with this six-touchdown performance yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I C.J., obviously, I saw this crazy stat line come over the, the TV in the first quarter, and he was five for five over 15-yard passes with three touchdowns. And I'm just like, holy, that is an unreal that – is, that's video game stats. So – um, Mel Tucker's got to lock up that defense. They, he's got to, he's got to figure something out over there for those those boys in green. I mean, even the offense. I mean, they they lost a few pieces last from last year's team. Um, Kenneth Walker third <laughs> um, being the main main key to that offense. Um, but they brought in a running back from Wisconsin, and he really he really hasn't filled that void like they thought he would or like he appeared to. Um, the first two weeks of the season, um, Michigan State is now two and four on the year, and I believe they they've lost four straight. So they lost to Washington, Minnesota, Maryland, and now Ohio State, and they have to play Wisconsin. Granted, they just fired their head coach, but they showed up against Northwestern and and did what Wisconsin does. Um, then they have Michigan, Illinois, so they could lose seven straight. Before getting um, a winnable game versus Rutgers, and how how winnable is that game against Rutgers? Because Rutgers is feisty; they are a feisty bunch over there. So, I would, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, tales to be told on Michigan State, but um, right now, if I were to power rank them, they are down at the bottom for me in the Big Big Ten power rankings. Um, right next to Nebraska, honestly, in my opinion. Maybe Wisconsin's a slightly better. They showed some fight this week, so I don't know. Big Big Ten's better when uh, Michigan State is better. So yeah, like, I'd like to see them get better. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you almost have to, depending on how the season goes, you almost have to question Michigan State and um, the contract they gave Coach Tucker up there. Was it that ten-year, hundred million dollar contract or whatever it was? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I it was some astronomical number for ten years. I was like, "Wait, what?" It's I, I, I think it nets around nine point seven million a year for ten years. But yeah, but I mean, you gotta. Last year they caught fire a little bit. They had a great season. What were they? Eleven and one. Yeah, um, they. Yeah. Eleven and one, beating Michigan. 
Um, no. Their only loss was Ohio State, I believe. Oh. Um, and I transferred pull that. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, they lost twice. They lost to Purdue at Purdue. Okay. Um, and then they lost to Ohio State. That's a, I mean, that's a great Michigan State season. When you think you're, when you're looking at recruiting just in this region, when, when a kid, kids nowadays, they're not, they're not dumb. They know where they want to go and they know they want to be in the NFL. So, I mean, if you're in the Big Ten, your choices are Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan if you want to go to the NFL pretty much in the eastern, especially on the eastern side of the thing. Yeah. And then Western, you really only have maybe Iowa and Wisconsin. Um, Correct. Yeah. Minnesota, you kind of get a few players here and there. Um, Rashad Bateman just came out. Um, They just had another receiver come out not too long ago as well. Um, And then that safety was Antoine Winfield Jr., um, Mm -hmm. son of the famous NFL safety. So, Oh, yeah. He he looks – Minnesota looks pretty good. I will give them – um, I'll give them a nod for surprise team of the year. I didn't expect them to be feisty as they are. Um, yeah, but they've kind of been on the struggle bus. I mean, they just lost to Purdue twenty to ten, and now they have to go to Illinois, which is also five and one. Um, and Brett with Brett Bilma, so that'll be an interesting game. And then they have to go to Penn State, so they could lose three three straight. Yeah, uh, they could, and uh, like I said, uh, it, uh, that that Big Ten West is is a rough, rough shaped division. <laughs> very dismal out there. Um, uh, with that being said, um, our our lovely Big Ten commissioner did make a statement, I believe, in um, media day this this year about. Moving the conference to the best two teams will play in the Big Ten Championship. Do you recall hearing that? Um, I do. I think that's when UCLA and USC kind of come back in uh, or come into the market um, because you'll have 16 teams and it'll be hard to have really two true divisions. Correct. Uh, I have to go find that that report, um, at least so I have some some backing here on, on what we're saying. Um don't want to give out too much false information, but um, kind of like what the SEC is doing, they're going to have, I think, four divisions with their 16 teams uh, when Texas and Oklahoma joined them. And they're just going to play two divisions a year, kind of like almost like the, the NFL does. They have two crossover divisions um, mm-hmm. that they play every year. Um, and I think that'll, that'll at least even out the playing field. Um and then you ha- always have your at least one or two rivalry games a year. So it'll shorten up the, the non-conference schedule, um, maybe. If if you have two non-conference, your seven games against your divisional and cross-divisional foe, and then um, that still leaves you three non-conference games. Yeah. Oh, so There's going to be gonna be a learning curve for sure yeah. to see college football, but – I, d- I definitely think we're on the trajectory of seeing two major divisions in college football, just like the NFL, AFC, NFC. And uh, I think we will see at least a 12-team playoff here within the next five years. Oh, I think we'll see it sooner than that. I think we'll see it as soon as 2023-2024. Um, 
maybe the, at the latest 2024. Which I think that's great for football, and it brings in a lot of revenue for these um, these new NIL deals. Let's let's not get into NIL, but yeah, that, <laughs> as it is, and then the transfer portal on top of that. So yeah, what what game are we on right now? What was what was next on the slate? So next on the slate, we're going to talk about Tennessee and LSU, which again, Ooh. this was another thumping. Um, Tennessee opened with 20 points and really never looked back as they cruised past uh, Brian Kelly's Tigers. I, I I was looking at this game on the slate and I was like, this is a this is a, a show me game for both. Yeah, it definitely reminded me of the Penn State Auburn game at the end where all you saw in the fa- in the stadium was orange and they were singing Rocky Top to the Tennessee team as all yeah. the LSU fans left early. Oh, man. And and those smoked-out uniforms, cool. And Hendon Hooker was just phenomenal again. Uh, if you got a 90.4 QBR on the season, this is the tr- fire with that. Yeah, and the, I think the surprising thing for me was their defense. Um, the defense definitely stepped up a little bit. I mean, LSU really hasn't been the offensive juggernaut, um, even with bringing in the transfer quarterback from Arizona State. Um, they didn't really score all that much all this year. Um, but Tennessee will truly be tested next week when they go home and welcome in the Crimson Tide, which we'll cover them a little bit later. And I have some intriguing questions that we'll we'll see uh, how how we think that outcome will will fare depending on who is under center next week. Yeah, we will we will see. Um, but yeah, great performance by Tennessee, and it it makes uh, college football a lot a lot more fun when when you got big brands like that doing well. So it's great. Yeah, it game. definitely shakes up the SEC um, because now you don't just have your normal. Alabama, Georgia, you have um, Tennessee involved in there. You have Ole Miss. You have Mississippi State lighting things up a little bit. So SEC isn't a a two-team race really anymore. Now it's a three- or four-team race, which could affect the playoffs in the long run. Yeah, and that is my big concern. But hopefully the committee is going to want to see LCC teams and and they're going to want to see a Big Ten team, but definitely the thing that's happening right now we got we got some good teams out in the Pac-12 that nobody's really talking about because they come on so late at night a lot of times and man UCLA putting it to Utah, what yep. is going on with Chip Kelly over there? Wow, I mean Chip Kelly did this before, so I'm I mean I'm not really surprised. Um, I am surprised that it's UCLA doing it um, and that he's still with UCLA. But, I mean, if you look at the body of work that UCLA and uh, DTR are doing out there, um, I don't know if you've looked at his stat lines this year so far, but, um, and I said this last week, he is a Heisman contender. The only reason his name isn't highlighted even more is because, like you said, he plays so late at night. His completion rating for the season through six games, 
74.8% completion rate, 1,500 yards passing, 15 touchdowns to two interceptions, and 150 yards rushing on the ground. That's that. Those are crazy stats. So we and there's a lot of good there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the league. And then you got Zach Charbonnet, Michigan mm-hmm. Michigan Four. transfer Michigan transfer over there just putting up crazy numbers at the running back position. So, yeah, yeah. And DTR was once considered to be going to Michigan. Um, and I think I forget why he he backed out of that. Um, that offer, but he ended up going with Chip Kelly, I guess, for the offense because Harbaugh doesn't really run that that style offense that DTR likes. So. Right. Well, you know, uh, it it seems like a great fit. Chip Kelly and DTR out there doing their thing, and man, another great brand coming back up, which. Is, it's cool. It's cool to see, but their their fan base is just dwindling out there. You can't even, you don't see fans in the the stands at a UCLA home game, and that kind of sucks for the team, you know, because they're they're playing really well. Man, I'm glad you brought that up because that was definitely one of the points that I had um, for this conversation was UCLA, even in a battle of top twenty five, top fifteen schools. Um, like they like the students like the one end zone wasn't even filled. I think it had like maybe 10 15 rows of fans and that was it. Well, they if you if you look at some replays, they have um tarps and banners across half the seats over there in the t- upper uh end zone section. <laughs> it's just like, well, maybe it won't look so empty if we put it, some signs here. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know if adding them to the Big 10 is good or not because I mean if their fan base isn't even showing up, I mean maybe it's a good thing that Penn State and Michigan and Ohio State and all the Big 10 teams that travel well, they'll be able to find seats and they can go <laughs> out west for a uh, a nice little vacation to uh to Los Angeles, but my goodness. Yeah, but I think uh I think Michigan at UCLA would would garner about a 80% discount on seat tickets, even in <laughs> LA. <laughs> oh man, poor UC. I I hope their their fan base. Um, I yeah, I hope their yeah. fan base starts showing up a little bit. Um, especially with the upcoming weeks. Uh, they get to play USC later this year. Um, I forget who else they have on the docket. I know. I think they face Oregon as well. Let me get they got Oregon. They have Oregon next week, um, and I would expect to see game day there. Um, I haven't really looked at the docket for um, matchups next week, but so they are off next week. UCLA does not play anyone. Okay, so but their next game is at Oregon. So ten, okay. ten, ten twenty-two in Oregon. I would, I would expect if Oregon handles business next week. I'm uh, not sure who they got because my computer's. Yeah. Um, actually, but, um, I only see Oregon on the schedule for next week. Um, so I think they're off as well. So you got two teams coming in off a of bye. And yep. Eugene, I would expect to see game day or big noon. Well, big noon won't be there probably. Yeah, but... it won't be a big noon kickoff for them. Um, <clears throat> and there's really no other games that week that are even. The only one I could possibly see is Ole Miss LSU, but that's not even a a game that I'm concerned about um, Alabama, Mississippi state, maybe um, just because it's going to be a battle of top 25 teams. But yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you. I think Oregon, UCLA, 
um, battling out there in Eugene definitely deserves game day. Um, though it'd be really stupid early for game day because that's what the game day comes on at eight Eastern or nine Eastern. Uh, nine Eastern, so it'd be a six a.m. start for game. Yeah, day. six a.m. start for the game day crew, and I don't know if they're gonna go for that. But... Well, I, they have they have done it before, so and it's it's pretty odd to wake up here and turn on game day, and it's still dark where they're broadcasting. <laughs> but you know what? Their their students still show up in Eugene. So oh yeah, especially with it being in Eugene, Eugene and those Oregon Ducks, they they always show out, and you always. You always have that one Washington State flag out there, so. Oh, that Wazoo flag just travels so well. <laughs> no matter where in the country, that Wazoo flag will be there. So next up, we have Kansas and TCU, and this one was very entertaining. It was quite a slow start, um, only being 10-3 at half. But whatever Coach Leipold and TCU's coach, I can't think of his name. I'm, I keep thinking the old coach. Um, but whatever they said at half kind of woke up their team. And both of them came out firing on all cylinders. Yeah, that was a that was a fun game. And, man, having, having game day in Kansas, good for them. Um, they, don't, they don't get that kind of treatment from the football team. Man, they are they tough loss for Kansas. Um, TCU is a pretty good football team, and I I would put them up and and at the top of the Big Twelve. Um, but would you it, put them higher than Oklahoma State right now? Oh, I don't know. Um, Oklahoma State is uh, you never know what team you're gonna get when Oklahoma State lines up, and they uh, they let some. They let some things slide sometimes, if you know what I mean. Like they, last year coming into the playoffs, they just kind of self-imploded, or they would have maybe got a spot, um, yeah. in place of maybe even Michigan. Um, but that's that's to that's for me. I don't know. I I think Oklahoma State gives gets the nod right now, but TCU is putting up some numbers when they play. Yeah. Yeah, I think TCU benefited a little bit in this game from uh, Kansas' starting quarterback, Jalen Daniels, going out with a shoulder injury in the first half, um, and he was unable to return. But his backup, Jason Bean, um, absolutely took the most of his opportunity and ended up putting four touchdowns up in the second half. Um, uh, yeah, I don't I don't have the stat line, but, yeah, he, uh, he, did, he looked good. Um, I was like, oh, man, poor Kansas. They're done. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But Max Duggan, I mean, that kid, hats off to him. He stuck around with that TCU program even after some rough years. Um, He's been beaten and banged up uh, past few years. But he's definitely showing why he should be one of the top quarterbacks um, to at least look at in the upcoming draft. I'm not saying he's going to be a top five, top ten quarterback. But he's definitely someone that can compete, um, no matter what. So, yeah, uh, it's going to make with all these good quarterbacks um, in the NCAA ranks. Uh, it's going to make for an interesting couple seasons of NFL here coming forward. Got um, what you got? CJ Stroud is eligible this year. Um, JJ McCarthy will be next year. You got. Hooker down in uh, Tennessee. You got the aforementioned 
two quarterbacks we were talking about. And uh, you got Wake Forest. Uh, Hart. Or Hart. Hartman and that kid is man, he's he's something special too. So that's gonna be fun. Yeah, and then you have Spencer Sanders coming out. You I think you have rising from Utah. Um I think DTR is eligible. I'm not sure if he has another year due to the COVID rule. Um or if he's a like one of those super seniors. I know he's been out in UCLA for a while now. But you have so many good quarterbacks. Um, KJ Hill, I think, is coming out this year. Um, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see how how the quarterbacks fall this year in the in the NFL draft. But yeah, uh, next exciting. up we have Washington. Yeah, we have Washington State and USC uh, up next. Um, to stay a little bit in the West Coast. And this one, I was a little disappointed in, in Washington State's coaching. Um, they had multiple times where they could have gotten some points or at least attempted some points. Um, but they ended up going for on a fourth and nine, not taking a field goal to tie it up, and then allowed USC to really kind of just walk away in this one. Yeah. Um... And USC didn't didn't look all that great against um, Wazoo, but you know what? Lincoln Riley got it done. Caleb Williams stood in there, was serviceable with uh, two touchdowns, 188 yards. Um, yeah, right the money there. Coaching. Uh, I yeah, I didn't really get into this game. It was later. Um, I didn't watch it very closely. Um, I was kind of beyond the point of watching football. I got a little tipsy last night with family, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> good good to have USC back in the ranks. Um, Lincoln Riley yeah. has turned that program right around. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what they do when they come to the Big Ten and have to play, I would say, tougher competition. Um, they really – they have a few teams out there in the Pac-12 that they play that are, are good, and but they haven't played them yet. Um, they've kind of looked pedestrian in the past two or three weeks. Um, I mean, they've beaten an Arizona State team. They struggled against Oregon State, and then they struggled against Washington State for a half. But now they have to go to Salt Lake City in Utah, which is coming off that, that devastating loss to UCLA. So we'll see what Utah can, can do against this team. But USC truly won't be tested until later this year where they have to, take on, have to go to UCLA on November 19th and take on um, DTR and that uh, outstanding offense. So we'll I see love, what you made of later this year. I love how you. They'll just walk. I know, right? It's like, hey, we'll, we'll jump on the bus. It'll be a 10 minute ride. Cool. Instead of a five minute ride. <laughs> and they'll bring all their fans so that UCLA can see what a packed uh, stadium looks like. So I don't know if they if you've seen it, but um, I know in years past I think they do it just for this game where both teams wear their home colors. So USC will wear their their red and yellows, and then UCLA will wear their you know their baby blue and gold. Um, I wonder if that's that'll be the case this year. I wonder. I would. I would reckon that UCLA might come out with a alternate uniform. Um, 
I know they've done it in the past. They've had some cool alternates, but you know what? The the classic UCLA versus that is that's an unmistakable um, uniform. Oh, I'd love to see it. I don't care. Uh, that looks like a good game, and uh, let's not get ahead of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Utah. Yeah, is I get a, through Utah, which is a yep. challenge. Utah is a. You know, they play everybody tough, smash mouth football, and and that coach out there, uh, he, isn't he, the, he's the longest tenured coach in, in uh, FBS, I believe, right now, isn't he? Yeah, uh, he's that, been out there for, it seems like eons, I think he's been out there for about two or three decades. Yeah, and they just love him out there, so that team will show up, at, especially at home, 8 p.m. Fox kickoff, Eastern time, um, that should be a fun game next week. Yeah, so let's get into – I know we kind of talked about them a little bit already, but let's get into Oklahoma State versus Texas Tech. Um, this game was very entertaining. Uh, both teams combined for 31 points to open up the game um, before Texas Tech kind of had some errors through a an interception late, which kind of helped Oklahoma State really take the lead and, and survive in Stillwater. Yeah, um, man, you got two two teams that can put up some points re- rather quickly. And uh, you look at that, you look at that over under, and man, they <laughs> seventy two points in in the game. Um, but they did play some defense, and I think that was ultimately what uh, was the catalyst for ops and um, turnovers. And Oklahoma State just pulled away, and you know you got to play to win the game, whatever way you got to do it. So. <laughs> Good job, Oklahoma State. Uh, Texas Tech is a, you know, for a three and three team, they're a, they're scary. I wouldn't want to see them on my schedule and uh, going into somebody and I'm undefeated, you know. Yeah, I mean, their only losses are to NC State, which they lost by thirteen. They lost to Kansas State, and then they just lost to Oklahoma State. So they only lost to ranked teams this year. So and they knocked off Texas. Um, which was ranked at the time. So wow. they've literally they had, had five ranked in a row. Yeah, that's a that's a tough slate. Um but I mean, hey, they're Texas Tech looks good. Um Big Big Twelve is uh pretty surprising, honestly. They uh they got some good teams down there and probably probably in better jockeying position than I thought they would be in at this point of the season, but here we go, college football in in October. You know, yeah, definitely the the mantra of "Hey, let's just survive the week" um, seems to be holding true as a lot of teams seem to struggle um, on any given week, and a lot of the big name schools just they they just have to survive. You know, they're gonna get everyone's best shot, and we're we're seeing that week to week. Yeah, and uh, and there's a. And you start looking ahead on that schedule because you got you got rivalries coming up. Well, not big rivalries, but you're in the you're in the heat of conference play. So, and you start looking ahead, and you can have a misstep. And I was worried about that this week with Michigan going to Indiana. Indiana always plays us tough. I don't know what it is. It, it must be the way their offense matches up to our our defense. But Indiana, every time I see them on the schedule, is horrifying. <laughs> If that makes any sense. Oh no, I I definitely agree. It's like 
Penn State going to like Iowa or Penn State going to like playing Northwestern. Northwestern, it doesn't matter if they're zero and seven. Um, same with Purdue and Iowa. It doesn't matter how bad they are. Whenever you play those types of teams, they always somehow find a way to compete um, and, and just give you their best shot. And speaking of Northwestern, did you see the new um, rendering of Ryan Field? That looks like a My fancy goodness, little stadium. Is ex- it is <laughs> expensive, and I wonder who's who's going to use it more because, I mean, the football team, yeah, they're decent, but they haven't – I don't know if they earned that yet. They haven't really won a, a Big Ten title yet, so – I mean, they've been there just because the West is down, but do they really deserve that that fancy of a stadium? Well, you got to understand their boosters are, you know, doctors and <laughs> yeah, very educated, uh, very educated and well off boosters. So, I mean, good for Northwestern. I like seeing Northwestern on the schedule. Um, they're a hard team to hate, yeah, uh, and dislike. Pat Fitzgerald is just Pat Fitzgerald. He's a great coach. He has players that would run through a wall for him. So, you know, good for Northwestern. Uh, And I can't wait to see that stadium. Maybe go to a game down there. Yeah, so Oklahoma State has to go to Fort Worth this upcoming week and and take on TCU. Um, That one will be interesting. So, I'm not saying it'll decide the Big 12, but it definitely will put whichever team wins that game in the right direction to to go on and win the big 12 title later on this year yeah and i expect oklahoma state will get it done um I, splitting hairs on what which team i think is better right now but hey but you got to play the game and they decide themselves so yeah but let's let's chop into the sec here um we're gonna go down to mississippi state taking on arkansas and you can call it fatigue you can call it um, loss or a fight or will. Um, but the Razorbacks look ragged in this one, taking the field against Mike Leach and the high flying offense that is in Starkville. Um, and Mississippi State jumped out to a 21 point lead early in the second and never really looked back. Arkansas showed a little fight, bringing it back 21 10. But the final was 40 to 17. Mississippi State, um, Gets another injured foe next week when they head to Lexington, taking on Kentucky, and we'll kind of cover them here a little bit later in the in the upset of the week. Um, but Mississippi State definitely looks the part in the SEC. I mean, we always say Mike Leach offense is is dangerous if they're running on all cylinders, and right now I think they are firing at will um, when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. Well, you got you got Will Rogers at the helm, and that kid, as we were talking about earlier, all these good quarterbacks. This kid, leading the country with two thousand over two thousand yards, twenty one hundred yards. He's got twenty two touchdowns and only three interceptions. This kid is the truth. So, the Bulldogs look good, and you know it's that's exciting to see competition in the in the especially the SEC. You know, like you get tired of seeing Alabama win every year. <laughs> so. It's nice to see uh, the Bulldogs up there. Uh, they look they look the part, and I I think Arkansas's preseason ranking there was a little hype around it. Good quarterback, good coach. Um, but 
you know, uh, the SEC schedule is rough and grueling, and you have to survive each week, like we talked about. Uh, Mississippi State with Will Rogers is—they are a juggernaut. I would be—I would not want to see him on my schedule if I was. Uh... Yeah. So they—they. They... <laughs> yeah, they take on Kentucky, and then they have to go to Alabama the following week. So October twenty-second, they take on Alabama. So that'll be interesting. But Will Rogers, if I'm correct, he's only a sophomore. He is a junior. So he is. Oh, is he? he is, okay. Oh, yeah. So he might be shaking up the draft. So we'll see. Um, maybe he stays home and gives Mississippi State a, another run next year. But we'll see. Uh, but like you said, yeah, tough slate for them. They got Kentucky coming up, which I think they handle Kentucky. Um, I think the firepower that Will Rogers possesses is going to be too much for that Kentucky's defense. And uh, Alabama, um, they've proved that um, they can be beaten. Uh, Texas A&M played them tight this week, and um, uh, Texas played them, played them hard week one. So yeah, uh, if we, we could be looking at a Mississippi State going into Al- Tuscaloosa in two weeks. And, uh, yeah, that, that could potentially steal the um... – the game day crew from going to, to Eugene. And yeah. And I seen that on the slate now, um, that, that probably makes more sense. And, uh, game day, game day doesn't like to avoid Tuscaloosa and they mm-hmm. haven't been there yet this year. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so we'll go, we'll dive into the sec or ACC before we go back to the, to what I feel is the game of the week. Um, so Florida state taking on NC state, um, now, Florida State surprised me in this one, leading the Wolfpack 17-3 to at half. But whatever the Wolfpack did in, in the second half kind of stuffed the Florida State um, Seminoles. And their leading rusher was a quarterback, which isn't a good sign for an offense, um, especially when you had three rushers last year for – or three rushers this year. Um, I believe it was the first two weeks. They all went for 100 yards. Granted, their starting running back was out with a shoulder injury, and he was in a sling on the sideline. Um, but NC State ended up taking the lead in this one, 19-17. Um, and Florida State had a chance to win it, and I really questioned Mike Norbell in his decision-making last night because he was he had the ball with about 38 seconds to go, all three timeouts on the NC State 22-yard line. He could have ran the ball a little bit more, Got it closer. Um, your kicker made a 47-yard field goal earlier in the game. Granted, they've had some struggles this year, and he's missed five field goal attempts earlier this season. But you got to have confidence in a scholarship player, especially your kicker, because now with deciding not to trust your kicker and end the game, um, what what do you – like his odds – I'm not even saying his odds, his – his mindset moving forward have to take a hit and yeah. saying, Hey, yeah. this coach doesn't. Yep. I agree. And uh, man, that wasn't a, that wasn't a very exciting game to watch. Um, but yeah, I agree. Um, Marvell's got to make a better decision. I mean, you got a field goal kicker. It made a 47 yarder earlier in the game. So I mean, trust him. Let him, let him kick and NC state's two field. They finished the game with three field goals as their scoring drives. So, so, 
you know, you got to do better going forward. There. Um, I didn't yeah. really get into this game. It doesn't really didn't have much appeal. Um, going in, so I I turned it on glimpses and yeah. After seeing this the stat line run up, I would have to sit there and watch that one. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and going back to kind of why I said about Mike Norvell's decision making, he decided with 38 seconds left to throw a fade route that he threw earlier and beat the um, NC State's defender over the top. The receiver made a great catch, but he could literally call the exact same play. NC State kind of smarted up, and their coaching probably was better at this point because, hey, watch this fade route that they threw earlier and beat you on. And the defender ran the route better than the receiver did and right. intercepted the pass easy, uh, which extended the Wolfpack's uh, win streak at home to 14 games now um, and really ruined any chance the Knolls had of, of making some noise. But it's good to see the Seminoles back in at least some relevancy. Um, it's been a long time since Florida State has actually had a, uh, a talkable season. Yeah, it goes back to uh, back. Yeah, I mean, and it's tough, uh, tough to recruit down there. You're in SEC land, and the kids are gonna go to the ACC. They're probably gonna go to Clemson. It 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 is tough for Florida State. I understand that, and uh, you know, it is nice to see them some somewhat relevant. But uh, give it a couple of years under Norvell and. You know, the best – I hate seeing coaches come in for a couple of years and then getting fired and they don't even get a chance to put their their playbook on the thing. So stick with him. Let him, let him build what he wants. We'll see. Yep. And then finally for the game of the week and the final game on our docket, which was Alabama-Texas A&M, which Texas A&M played them a lot closer than I was expecting. Um, but in hindsight, I mean, it was – Without Bryce Young, he was out with that um, shoulder sprain that he injured last or against Arkansas. So, and Anna has a pretty stout defense. So, having a first year quarterback really come in and play against a a true SEC defense is always going to be a tough thing. Um, and yeah. no one scored in the first quarter, so it was definitely a quiet, slow first quarter before things kind of opened up in the second quarter and uh, kind of exploded offensively. Yeah, uh, Texas. Um, I thought the, the scoreline was a lot closer than, um, than I anticipated, but uh, good, good work, Alabama, getting it done without Bryce Young. And they got a tough, tough slate coming up going, going into Tennessee next week. So. Yeah, the score – going into it was Alabama was a 24-point favorite. Wow. Was that – did that line open up knowing Bryce Young was out or did that line um, change? I'm not sure. I think there could have been a, the question mark of if Bryce Young comes back, but I think the line was A&M has been so awful. Um, and then losing Max Johnson, their quarterback, um, that ended up taking over for Haynes King. Uh, had a broken bone in his hand and could not play that game. So that kind of both both teams were without essentially their starting quarterbacks. Yeah, and that's that's 
Man, don't bet on those games. <laughs> I, I, I think what we had three teams. Michigan was a twenty-one favorite. They won by twenty-one. Ohio State was a twenty-seven point favorite. They won by twenty. Uh, Georgia might not have covered. Uh, they were. Yeah, they did cover. I think. No, I don't think they did. Georgia was like, yeah, they're a big. Uh, uh, no, they covered. It, it was a twenty-seven point spread for them. So yeah, no good. So they covered. Um, nothing really. My interest. I like to at least look at who's a, who's under die. Take straight up uh, score line, and nothing really appealed to me this week. So I didn't do any betting. I'm a little behind this this year. I'm down three hundred bucks, so we got to do better. <laughs> but yeah, so I I questioned Jimbo in this game. Um, going back to the coaching, um, qu- calling questionable coaching calls. Um, if you're a And M, you have the ball on the two yard line. Why are you throwing this weird little out route where it doesn't even seem like the receiver would have made the end zone, even if he caught the ball? Because he had an Alabama defender um, I, draped all over him. I don't, I don't know, and that's one of the most frustrating calls in, in the sport. Uh, you know, you throw, you run a passing route that's short of where you intend to go, or you're you're like a, a third and long three or a four and long three, and you run a little draw route. Well, everybody's selling out for that. If you're going to run a draw. Why, at least do some play action if they're selling out for the run. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. those those play calls are just they they will make you your head spin. Like it, it's not fun to see. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Grand A and M was missing. A and M was missing uh, a few key playmakers um, that went down on injury. So I mean, yeah, it. It's tough to make that decision, but at least come up with something where either it's going to be a rub route because you see that so much nowadays where you see these rub routes where it's just so conveniently um, someone gets wide open because someone gets lost in the mix. Um, It seemed like he had enough time in the pocket that they could have done something like that. Um, I don't know if it's a a trust thing, uh, what it is. But do you gotta come up with something a little bit more creative than just a simple out route? Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that is Texas A&M had some high hopes this season. Um, they've been the number one recruiting class in the country the last two years running, I believe. Um, don't quote me, but I know they had one. I think this past year they were. Number one. Yeah, this past year they're number but one. I think they're, they're uh, kind of- I think they're kind of packing it in, though. You know, uh, they... the... yeah. But they got um, they got Carol South Carolina next week. They and tough one at Ole Miss. I I think I think they are Ole Miss is on upset alert. Uh, they could turn around and the, I I don't uh, know if A and M wins at South Carolina though, and and that's. I don't know. 
That that is a tough one because especially after what South Carolina did this week, um, and essentially declawing the Wildcats and handed them their second loss, uh, second straight loss. Yeah. Um. I the good thing is uh A and M is on a bye next week, so they get some they get a chance to get healthy and uh, game plan just for South Carolina. So. Uh, we'll see. I think I think A and M could finish up uh nine and three, eight and four, and uh really give them something positive to think about in the off season. Uh, yeah. Um yeah, Ole Miss, that I mean that one's always gonna be a tough game. Um Florida Florida's definitely not a good team. Um, especially like they people thought they were when they jumped them up so high back in week two after knocking off Utah. Auburn's not good. They play a cupcake in UMass, which is one of the six or five lowest scoring teams in the nation. And then they play LSU. Um, so at least they get some home cooking. Uh, majority of their games are at home. So um, that's good for AM. Yeah, I could, I could see them. Um, you know, they have a very good chance of uh, finishing the season out undefeated. Um, I know they got some tough. Tough games, but man, uh, it'd be and Jimbo, but it almost looks like they're just packing it in. You know, they a team doesn't have fire, and you you can tell when a team is all bought in and playing together. That is not A and M. Yeah. Now, now talking about their their opponent, Alabama. So Alabama survived this one, but now they have three ranked games in the next four, um, and that's essentially over five weeks thanks to a bye Halloween weekend. Um, so Alabama has to go and take on – let me find them again. Let me find their schedule. Well, they got um, – They have to go to – Yep. They have they to play to Mississippi State. At, yep. In Death Valley. And then they and then, play Ole Miss at Ole Miss. And that's going to be – and in November – Tailgating season, Ole Miss is going to be fired up for them, especially if Alabama gets through Tennessee and Mississippi State. You got to Alabama's going to be on upset alert for the next two weeks, I believe, uh, in my opinion, and especially if they do not have a healthy Bryce Young. Um, not not looking good for the Crimson Tide if Bryce Young isn't in those games because, man, Devin Hooker at at Tennessee and got. Uh, Will Rogers at Mississippi State. Those guys can sling it, so you better come ready to play defense. Yeah, and then unfortunate, unfortunate news for the Tide. They actually lost um, one of their linebackers for the season. Uh, I forget who it was. I think it was number thirty-seven. Um, I saw a report on that this morning, but that that's going to hurt the defense a little bit. Um, I know they're lacking a little bit at that linebacker position behind Will Anderson. Um, so that defense and that secondary will truly be tested um, in the upcoming weeks. So yeah, that I mean that's exciting um, to see because who doesn't love a good Alabama upset? Because they're it's easy to hate them because they've been on the top for so long. So this might be yeah. a season where this might be a season where we don't see Alabama in the playoff if they don't get through this uh, couple week stretch. Yeah. So. Speaking of this stretch, so if they lose one of those to Tennessee or – I mean, it has to be Tennessee um, because if Mississippi State beats them, they pretty much hold the tiebreaker there. 
Um, and if Alabama knocks off uh, uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State runs the table, Mississippi State wins the West. So now Alabama's not even going to a conference championship. Yeah. Um, Correct. And man, we could see we could see a Mississippi State Tennessee uh, SEC championship and leaving out Georgia and Alabama. Just think yeah. about that. Even if Alabama does win the West with a with one loss to we'll say Tennessee. And then they lose in the SEC championship. Now they're what? They're going to be ten or eleven and two. Uh, Alabama. Yeah, they'd be eleven and two to close out the the year. Do you, would do you see a a two loss team getting in over um, a USC or a Clemson team? Uh, you know. Uh, if you if you have a two loss Alabama and last year, um, I think you get in. But this year, looking at the field, um, I don't I don't think you can get in with uh, with one or two losses. I think we're going to have a bunch of undefeated teams um, come the end of. The- yeah, that I, I and that's another reason why I think the the playoffs need to expand sooner rather than later because you have so many at the top 12 that are deserving of a shot. And I think this might be um, the way this year is gearing up. I don't, I don't think you're going to see um, double conferences making it. I think it's going to be um, four conference champions and we're going to get to see four different conferences represented in the uh, playoff for first time, I think ever. Yeah, that'll oh. be, that'll be very, very intriguing and very, good for college football it would be and yeah like i said i don't i don't see i don't with with how things are shaking up right now and granted we're at the halfway point through the season so a lot can change and these games have a way of working themselves out but as it stands right now i think you have a obviously you would have a sec team in um you would have the winner of the big 10 and man who gets left out of the last three I mean, um, you have USC. If they run the table, I think they deserve to be in because they'll beat, I think, four ranked teams. Clemson, I think, if anything, Clemson might be the only team on the outside looking in um, just because they really don't play any more ranked teams this year. Right. And, and that's, if that's you kind have, of how I was looking at it. Shake if you have up. Oklahoma State or um, someone like that that runs the table in the Big Twelve, they're they're going to knock off a lot of ranked teams, um, and be undefeated. So I I'd have to put them in over Clemson, um, just because of who they who they had to beat to get to that point. Yeah, and well, Oklahoma State is the only ranked um, Big Twelve team left uh, undefeated. Um, no, TCU. You have TCU, and we'll get into the rankings here. And I, yeah, and we'll see, uh, yeah, where, where you have some of the teams at, um, if you agree or disagree with me. Um, but let's get into some of the upsets this week before we get too far ahead with the rankings. Um, some of the upsets of the week that I have is Arizona State knocking off Washington after they fired Herm Edwards two weeks ago, Notre Dame going out to, uh, Las Vegas and knocking off BYU. Um, South Carolina, like we 
kind of already discussed taking on the wild or taking out the Wildcats, and then Utah State beating Air Force. Um, oh yeah, um, I did not see Notre Dame come in. Honestly, I thought uh, BYU would uh would pull that one out. Um, them, but Notre Dame travels well. There are a lot of Notre Dame fans there. Um, Utah's. Bye. Utah. Um, they're one of those low, low end, low twenty five teams. Damn. Um, <laughs> that was a crazy game. Uh, to see Air Force go down. And I, I, what was the other game? What was the other? Uh, Arizona State beating Washington. Arizona State beating Washington. Man, uh, yeah. But I mean, that one. You got, you got. Herm Edwards fired on the field. Um, teams fired up. Um, and who, who is Washington? Right. They. I think they got a lot of um, love for that Michigan State bumping, um, and uh, you know, um, good for good for Arizona State, good for the Sun Devils, you know, to go in, take that game. Yeah, and then my my flyover worthy performances of the week uh, was Illinois beating Iowa in a battle of field goals. Um, James Madison staying undefeated five weeks into the season after making the jump from FCS to the FBS division. Uh, Wisconsin pummeling Northwestern after firing um, coach Paul Chris last week. Georgia Tech wins back-to-back weeks, knocking off Duke this time. And then Texas just stampeded all over the Sooners, 49-0. Oh, man, the Sooners are dreadful um and it, it's to be expected lincoln riley was a amazing coach but i did not see that going 49 49 points there no um, but when yours is back um texas is a different team with him at the home so man uh, good to see quinn yours back <laughs> you know so with, with quinn yours back and doing his thing how do you think that will affect Arch Manning and his commitment to Texas. What what does Sark do when Arch Manning comes in there? Um, if he does stay committed to to the Longhorns, who do you think would win that QB battle? I think Quinn Ewers right now and his body of work. Grant, if he stays in that Alabama game, I think Texas could pull off that upset. But. Do you stick with Quinn and just leave Arch on the bench for a year or two? Oh, man. If you got two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. Um, I think you got to stay with Quinn Ewers. He's proven that he's, you know, I I don't really understand the commitment there, Arch. Um, and we're at a point in college football. If you got two quarterbacks on your roster, you don't have a backup because he is going to transfer in that transfer portal. You got to keep them happy, and that's kind of what Michigan was dealing with at the beginning of the season with JJ and uh, Cade. And I'm good for Harbaugh for sticking to one quarterback and not doing the in and out thing. 
for his team. But the, I would I would anticipate Cade transferring here at the, the end, end of the season. season. Um, that's uh, so if know. if did pick Arch over Quinn, Quinn would have to sit out a year, um, and I, I imagine he would transfer immediately after the spring if he decided to go with Arch. Um, but where where could you see Quinn go? Do you think? I mean, uh, did did they still have to set out? I thought um... so. Quinn transferred from Ohio State because he was committed to Ohio State, and he got beat out by C.J. Stroud. Transferred oh. to Texas. See, I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, I I thought Quinn Ewers was a Texas. Um, on that, no. It's gonna come down. I think it comes down to. <clears throat> Who has a who has an opening? Granted, when you were transferring, and you may, even though he has to sit out a, a year. Yeah, I could see him coming back to the Big Ten. Um, honestly, um, especially if he's sitting out a year, he's a he's a freshman right now, right? A redshirt freshman. Right? Uh, he technically, is a redshirt freshman, so he'll be he's a sophomore, technically. You know, and I would. I would love to bang the, the hometown drum. Um, JJ will be JJ will be a junior next year. Sit out season. Come to Michigan. When come to Michigan. <laughs> so yeah, I, I could first spot, and I could see him transferring maybe back to the Big Ten. Yeah. So uh, let's get back into the into the week seven game. So. I'm going to start from the bottom and go back to the top so we can finish with our, our, our matchup. Um, USC travels Salt Lake, take on the Utes. We already talked about that. Um, definitely going to be a good game there. Uh, Kentucky looking to rebound versus Mississippi State. Clemson travels to Tallahassee to take on Seminoles. NC State goes to the Orange Dome to take on the undefeated Syracuse. Yes, it's football season, and Syracuse is still undefeated this late in the <laughs> Oh man, that dome's gonna be rocking. Um, and that dome is known to cause some upsets. They actually knocked off Clemson a few years back, um, so that will be an interesting game. Um, Oklahoma State goes to Fort Worth to take on TCU um, to really determine who's the big dog in the Big Twelve. Alabama goes on the road to Tennessee, which I will be right down the road from them in Gatlinburg. So I may be able to hear them um, singing Rocky Top all the way in Knoxville. <laughs> um, and then, if, so if Jalen Milrow gets, is the starter in that one, what do you think the odds are Alabama wins that game? Man. Uh, well, let's, let's come back to this. We can, uh, why don't we come back and we'll, we'll we'll make our picks all the way from the bottom to the top, okay. rounding out rounding out with our matchup. Yeah, Penn State in um, at noon Eastern, which is a battle of top ten teams. Which unfortunately is the Fox Big Noon kickoff, and not gonna get game day. Which... I I know you're upset about that. I don't think that I don't think that changes the atmosphere of that game all too much. Um, and you. You, they tailgate hard in the mornings in Ann Arbor. I've been there. Trust me. You start at about 5 a.m. Or you don't quit from the night before. <laughs> so yeah. it's going to be it's gonna be an event having two, uh, two top 10 teams. In yeah, the big, the big, big tailgate and definitely knows how to party. Um, and then you, um, you left out. Um, we got Kansas. 
asking oh, yeah, about that's right. I forgot. And then you got Auburn yep. at Ole Miss, which that's not that's not a very exciting game. And I don't think the Kansas Oklahoma game is going to be very exciting because I think this year the basketball national champs go into Norman and handle them. So, but yeah, if you want to go down to the bottom and we can. I mean, the the think. Auburn Ole Miss game could be interesting because. Who knows? Maybe this is Lane Kiffin's last year, and he actually goes and coaches at Auburn next year. Um, that's part some of the talk that's happening down here in the SEC country. With me living in Alabama, forty-five minutes from Auburn, that's all you're hearing right now is who's going to replace Harson, and maybe it is Coach Lane Kiffin. Well, this is that is a tough job to hire for because Auburn does not treat their coaches very well, and I think that's why they're in predicament they are in. If I'm Lane Kiffin, I stay home. And I they just do not care about their coaches there. They got a culture that they need to change. So I th- I think you're going to see a lesser named coach take over that slot going forward because I, I just think there's too much turmoil for, for a big name coach like Lane Kiffin to go into Auburn really really take that job. Yeah, I have to agree with you. But um, so for the picks this week, I have I'm going to pick USC um, in Salt Lake beating the Utes. What I'm going to I'm going to pull a not so fast Lee Corso. Um, oh, OK. Uh, I, I think Utah, I think Utah stands and uh, knocks, knocks USC off. Um, Salt Lake is a tough place to play. Um, Rocking environment ever since they've come over to the. Uh, for the Pac-12, Pac um, I think Utah's got too much for them, and uh, USC's going to be tested. Okay. I, I could definitely <laughs> that. I, I, I want USC and UCLA to be undefeated at the end of the year so we have a good, you know, L.A. Battle of L.A. type game, but I can definitely see where you're coming from for that one. Um, I have Mississippi State, the Wildcats, in, in Kentucky – um, I think Will Rogers stays hot and continues his massacre through the air. Yeah, I think um, Will Rogers solidifies his uh, Heisman campaign and goes into Kentucky and gets it done. Um, I think the I think the Bulldogs are just too powerful. Yep. Um, team. I think Kentucky has the firepower that uh, the Bulldogs have, and I think it's going to be an offensive shootout, but Mississippi pulls away, and I think they handle them by uh, – Two touchdowns. And then uh, I have Clemson knocking off Seminoles. I, Seminoles are a feel-good story this year, but I think Clemson just has too much offensively and definitely defensively um, with the Seminoles being kind of one-sided on offense. They're, they really can't pass the ball. Um, I think Clemson's going to stack the box and really force them to throw the ball to, to beat Clemson. So when I originally looked, I don't have much faith in Clemson. They're still, they're still Clemson, um, but they, they just don't seem like they are that Clemson of old that we've we've had the last. Uh, well, take take out last season. They, that was a misstep, and I think they're still still trying to crawl claw back into that identity that they once had. Um, I've got Clemson on upset alert, but I do I do think they get it done. And then I have Syracuse knocking off NC State. I think NC State has skated by long enough. 
under the mantra, this is their year. Um, they fell flat on their face against Clemson. I think Syracuse has enough with the Orange Dome backing um, and that loud environment that they're going to quiet that wolf pack from uh, howling this year. And looking at that game, uh, I'd be interested to see what the line opens up at. Um, uh, I would put as the favorite in this matchup because of that dome. So I am going to go with the, the orange as well over the wolf pack. Um, see if I can find a line for this game. Um, none yet. Actually, the spread consensus right now has NC State as a four-point favorite. Mm, yeah, that might be your underdog pick of the week if you can buy Syracuse. Wow. But um, even the N- or the ESPN Football Power Index has Syracuse as a 58.7% chance to win that game, um, looking at it from the outside in, not looking at the, the Vegas line. So um, I definitely have to side with ESPN here and, and say that that Syracuse is going to get done at home. Uh, the, another basketball school in the top 25. Look at that. And Getting it's, it done. It's crazy this year with how many basketball schools are are just kind of cl- climbing up through the football powers. Um, now, Oklahoma State and TCU, this one's definitely interesting because um, you don't know what Mike Gundy team is going to show up. Is it going to be the the Oklahoma State team that knocked off Baylor and looked dominant down in Florida or in not Florida in uh, Texas last time they made the trip south, or is it going to be the team that allowed Texas Tech to kind of hang around? Um, yeah, this, this game is, uh, it has intrigue all over it. Um, two, two big 12 juggernauts. I, I would anticipate you see over, over 80 points of offense combined in this game. And honestly, I, it's tough to make a pick and I think I'm going to go with the horned frogs at home because like you said, what Mike Gundy team are you going to get? Um, if you get a firing on all cylinders at Oklahoma state team, it's tough to be anywhere. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think the Horned Frogs are a, a more stable pick at this point in the season, and I'm going to go with TCU here. I'm going to have to agree with you. Uh, I'm going to go with TCU and the Horned Frogs. I think Max Duggan and that uh, Horned Frogs offense, they just have way too many weapons. I don't know if you saw in that game yesterday, but they threw a bubble screen to someone, and their big wide receiver um, was blocking another guy and then uh, as a defender ran over, he kind of just shoulder-checked him and took out, took out two defenders with one block and allowed the guy to escape for about a 40-yard run. Yeah, uh, TCU is uh, – they got some firepower. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty comfortable with that pick. Yeah. Looking at the, the average offense for both teams, um, Oklahoma State averages about 470 yards a game. TCU averages about 530 but they both allow over 400 yards per game. So this one could be, um, what was the game uh, a few years back? I think it was Texas Tech and um, Oklahoma when Mahomes was there. And it went to like 63-59 or something like that. Something crazy. I feel like that's going to be this type of game where it goes, it just runs the night. I agree. I think this game opens up with an over-under of 80 and a half. And you take the over and don't even look back because that's not even going to be <laughs> – it's going to be a shootout, and it could go to overtime. So you you could get 
well over 100 points of, of offense. And that is just insane. Definitely could be a thousand yards between both teams easy. Absolutely. So um, Alabama, Tennessee goes on the road here. I'm, if Bryce Young plays in this game, I think Alabama has a better chance to win this one. Um, but in all honesty, I'm going to have to go with Rocky Top, which is, is hard to say because I know that defense can be porous at times. Um, yeah. But I think Tennessee has too much offensive firepower, um, and Alabama still has some questions offensively um, because they don't really have wide receivers that you're used to with Mechie and Williams and Smith and Waddle and all those receiving threats that they had the past, you know, four or five, six years. Um, so, and I don't think they have enough run game to kind of keep them in it. They're not as dominant as they used to be on both fronts. Um, so I think Tennessee takes this one and, and solidifies, hey, Tennessee's back. This, yeah, um, this comes down to who's got the better quarterback. And if Bryce Young's in, um, it's hard to hard to not pick Alabama. I want to apologize for earlier. I called him Devin Hooker. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think you got to go with Hooker as the better quarterback if uh, Bryce Young isn't playing. And this is a show-me game for I think they can get it done. So an interesting stat that I that I'm just looking at is Hendon Hooker does not have an interception yet this year. That is correct. And going into this, um, I believe it was just Hooker and JJ McCarthy with that stat line. Uh, JJ unfortunately gave up an interception in the end zone the other day on a or yesterday on a tipped pass uh, intended intended for. Um, <laughs> I can't even. Ronnie Bell, uh, intended for Ronnie Bell in the end zone. You know, I think he's the only one standing with, uh, with that many attempts and touchdowns for no interception. That's, yeah. That's uh, crazy. And then the other interesting stat that I'm looking at is his home completion percentage is 76%. So I don't know if it's the, the home cooking up there in Tennessee, what, uh, what they've got going on, but he loves playing at home up in Neyland Stadium. So, um, with it being at home, I know last year they, or I think it was last year, they had the incident where they were throwing mustard and ketchup bottles uh, on the field and whatnot. So hopefully that doesn't happen again this year and the fans don't take anything away from the game um, that's going to be played on the field between two great teams. Yep. Um, like I said, this is a, this is a show me game for Rocky Top. Uh, I think I want to go with them as the upset here. I'm putting a Crimson Tide on upset alert because they've had too many close games uh, with, with uh, lesser opponents. And I think uh, Rocky Top being home with Hendon Hooker. Uh, Rocky Top gets it done here. So next up, and in, in the final game that I, I have circled is the Penn State-Michigan battle. Um, so here's, here's my in- intriguing stat lines for you. So Michigan's top win this year is versus a three and three team. Um, granted, they've let, they're one of the top five in defensive scoring, but only allowing nine point eight points a game this year. But they're also in the bottom seven in scoring in FBS. Um, they're only higher than Florida International, New Mexico State, Temple, UMass, 
Colorado State and Colorado. Yeah. So yeah, uh, this is a. You know, um, I, I, I love the stat lines, um, and all that, but you get the sense that Jim Harbaugh's team this year, um, we're, we're playing to win the game and playing to the opponent. Um, so whether if if Blake Corum runs the ball thirty times, <laughs> like he typically does, uh, it's tough to beat because Corum, man, he is. He's five eight. Your your linebackers can't see over the line and see him. Um, and he's two hundred and ten pounds. He's like a little bowling ball. So, I think Blake Corum is the difference here. Leash. Uh, so if Clifford comes out slinging, I don't know. If we, I don't think we're built to get into that shootout unless Jim lets JJ go. So, I think we're gonna see a ground and pound effort yeah. at the big house and. Uh, <laughs> let's see let's see who's got the better offensive and de- defensive lines here i i think penn state plays this one a lot like they would play against a wisconsin um wisconsin really not known for their quarterback and michigan as of late has been known for their quarterback play either so i think you force them to throw the ball especially with having joey porter um uh King out there, you have the SEC transfer, um, which his name is escaped me right now. You have Jair Brown at safety. Um, you have so many pieces in the defensive backfield that can, I can say, hang with Ronnie Bell in your receiving core. Um, and you make JJ throw the ball and you eliminate the run effort. I think that has to be Penn State's uh, game plan. Uh, coming up against us. And listen to this. My guy, Blake Corum, 118 attempts, 735 yards, 11 touchdowns, averaging 6.2 yards of carry. If he shows out against Penn State, is he a front runner for the Heisman? Where are we, where are we looking at? Uh, he definitely could be, especially if he, I'll say, even if he, even in, in a losing effort, um, cause just as a running back, you, you don't have control of the game as much as a quarterback would. So even if in a losing effort, if he still goes for 130, 140 yards and say through week nine, um, I have to look at your schedule to figure out who you got coming up. So you have Michigan state Rutgers and Nebraska. So in the next four games, I think he'll easily eclipse a thousand yards. Um, if not more. So Actually, probably in the next two or three games, he's eclipsing a thousand yards, and he could be looking at almost a fourteen, fifteen hundred yard rushing effort. Um, I still think he he's kind of on the top ten bubble, um, but that's hard to say with how many great quarterbacks there are out there this year: Hendon Hooker, Will Rogers, Bryce Young, Quinn Ewer, C.J. Stroud. I mean, there's five quarterbacks already taking up the top five spots. Well, uh, so. My my Heisman take on years. I don't I don't see him. He's um even definitely not um just not enough. enough. <clears throat> yeah, that's there. 
Yeah, I probably definitely misspoke when I said Quinn Ewers, but um, Will Rogers, Bryce Young, Hendon Hooker, um, Dorian DTR out in UCLA, CJ Stroud, those those are the five I would have higher than anyone else right now. And I like that list. I I honestly I think I put um, uh, Will Rogers at the top for for me right now. Uh, Twenty one hundred yards passing, twenty touch, twenty two touchdowns. That is just those are video game stats at the halfway point. He's on pace for a forty five hundred yard season in the regular season, and maybe of the forty forty four to forty six touchdowns. That is just Will Rogers, man. Um, he's he's definitely my favorite. But uh, I think I think my point with uh, Blake Corum say I think this is his this is his show me game. Um, his Heisman performance game, so he has to. Um, if he plays well here, I think I think that might put him up there as the only back in in the conversation. Yeah, this is definitely Penn State, Michigan's. Um, I won't say Super Bowl, but this is like their their early season championship game because whoever wins this one is the odds-on favorite to either beat Ohio State and make the Big Ten championship game. Um, but the upper leg uh, moving forward, um, even with a loss, having a chance yeah. to make the playoffs. And this is, um, and I think it's fair to say I'm going to my Nittany Lions, and you're going to go with your Wolverines. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, we are um, we are very objective fans, and uh, I think uh, man, Penn State's got a tough schedule coming up. Holy crap! Um, you got us at the big house. Then you got Minnesota at home. Prime time game, seven thirty. I'm assuming that would be. Yeah, that, be fortunately, that's going to be the whiteout. Um, unless both teams are undefeated going into Ohio State, um, as Fox owns the rights to that game, and they'll probably make that the big noon kickoff. Unfortunately, um, which I don't think is right, especially if you have two undefeated teams, probably inside the top seven. At that point, maybe top six, um, that you don't make that a night game. Yeah, um, but you know, big noon—that is their prime time slot. So we'll see. Uh, ESPN has a matchup indicator for our game: seventy-three percent Michigan and twenty-six point seven percent to Penn State. Uh, both teams against the spread are not very good this season. So. Uh, the trenches or quarterbacks have similar stats uh like i said jj's on a leash seems as as of late um michigan's playing more we're gonna wear you down in the first half and try and run away in the second see if you guys have uh, have the stamina to keep up with uh, that's that's the type of football they've been playing um our our best win i want to say is against maryland um and maryland is a tough squad and i you guys, is, even though they weren't a very good team, the, the effort Penn State put put towards Auburn was insane. And I think you guys have to come into the game with that mindset and run the ball. Yeah, and I, I definitely, I definitely think they they come in with a hey, we have a chip on our shoulder. People are aren't talking about us the way that they think we should be. Um, but I think it's going to be a great Big Ten battle in this one. 
We we shall see. I I see it either being tight all the way or one team pulls away. Uh, and that's typically how Penn State Michigan works out sometimes. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't get those we don't get those barn burners like we we used to where we're going to overtime and stuff like that. One team typically pulls away and on to next next time we play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think you guys got the better of us last year. Um so it seems like every other year you know, Penn State wins, Michigan wins. Um, y'all knocked us off in our in our house. We knocked you off in your house the past two times. So it'll definitely be interesting to see who definitely takes this one. Yeah, it's definitely got my blood pressure up. Uh, thinking about Penn State coming to the, the big house and definitely uh, scares my scares me a little bit. But I think if we either team gets through it, they um, hey, we're looking at uh. Who can take out Ohio State? You know what? We we could be looking at a a one loss Michigan and a one loss Ohio State and a one loss Penn State, and it's going to come down to uh, where where you lost and who you lost to to see who gets that slot in the East. Yeah. So let's let's get into the rankings and just tell me where if you agree or disagree with with where I have them at or and where you have them at. Um, so I'm going to start off. I have Alabama still odds on number one. Um, Ohio State definitely closes that gap um, after their performances this year. Um, and I think it's probably the closest voting in the AP poll um, currently, probably in the past five years, for the odds on number one. Uh, yeah. Uh, so what was your what's your top four order? Um, so I have Alabama, Ohio State at two, Georgia at three, and then Michigan at four. Yeah, and man, and you know what? I hate to say it, but Ohio State. I, I honestly, I think I would put them at number one right now. Um, they they played a little more consistent. Um, Alabama's had some scares. Georgia. Uh, man, games where I'm like, wow, what is this Georgia team? You know, and Alabama losing um, Bryce Young last week. Uh, I think that I think you got to take that into account. But uh, splitting hairs here, I got Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, and Michigan are kind of similar. Um, uh, but Georgia three and Michigan four, though, um, to round out my top four for sure. So next up, have uh, in the next four, I have Clemson at five, USC at six, which is their their mat same spot in the AP poll, and then I have Tennessee jumping up to seven, and then Oklahoma staying at eight after having a struggle fest against Texas Tech. I think Tennessee's performance against LSU was more um, dominating and more uh, a statement, um, especially heading into the week. Yeah, um, so to round out the top, uh, bottom, well, five through ten, um, don't really like Clemson at five, but they haven't given me a reason to move them down. Um, keep them there. Uh, USC, USC's going to learn some things this week, and we'll see if they're still that top six team, but I, I move Rocky Top ahead of Oklahoma State, um, Tennessee should be the number seven team or number six team in the country. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, everything else stays the same. We're going to, we would swap uh, Oklahoma State and Tennessee. And uh, 
almost almost falls off this week, I believe, right? Uh they did Ole Miss win? Like, no, Ole Miss won. Uh they did struggle against Vanderbilt. Um actually Vanderbilt was leading at halftime um before Ole Miss kind of pulled it out late and ended up winning by double digits. Uh, I think I think that that gives me uh gives me enough firepower to put Penn State above Ole Miss, but you know, uh the, the top ten's gonna get shuffled around here and UCLA is gonna make a big jump. Yep. Um, I think you might see UCLA above I I place them above Oregon and well obviously Utah, so um Yeah. So there's... uh I definitely agree with you. I have Ole Miss at nine and Penn State at ten. The only reason why I don't have Penn State jumping Ole Miss is because they are on a bye. Um I think if Penn State played this week and actually performed well, I could see them jumping them, but since they were stagnant didn't really have anything to show. They stay where they're at. Um, my next five, I have UCLA jumping all the way up to number 11. Um, Oregon at 12, TCU at 13, NC State at 14, and then Wake Forest at 15. Yeah, uh, I agree with those rankings. Um, and then the, the, the top 25 uh, – you know, it's gonna gonna interchange a little bit, and I think that's why we do need a 16 team playoff because then then it gives us a reason for those top 16 teams. Uh, I think you I think you see Syracuse beating NC State and moving up to 14. Um, Syracuse top top 15 team coming coming into the halfway point. Uh, wow, that would be that would be something special and. <laughs> You got Mississippi down there, uh, Mississippi State down there, uh, twenty-three last week. Uh, yep. They. Yeah, I, I have them gonna, all the way up to sixteenth. Yep, I think that I think that's a good spot for them. I think, I, I think Mississippi State will finish the season uh, top ten team, honestly. Um, and yeah, uh, UCLA. Moving all the way up to eleven, they just look. They look really good. The rest, well, Washington's going to fall off. I think we see. Uh, yeah, I think we see. Um, James Madison might make might make a uh, <laughs> top twenty five poll coming into the week. So, let, so. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, but I definitely, I'm definitely on the same page with you there. So, um, but I mean, 16, 16 LSU. Kansas State at 17, Syracuse at 18 currently um, after uh, or heading into the NC State week just because of some teams falling out. Um, Cincinnati at 19 and then Baylor at 20. Yeah, uh, yeah um, Baylor Baylor jumping up. I, uh, Maryland, uh, we can see them as a top 25 team. Um, they they yeah. still have some work to do. Um, and the only reason I say that is just because they – just lost to Purdue. Um, they lost to Michigan, um, so they have two losses in in three weeks, and they barely beat a Michigan State team. So I'm not too high on them right now. They really haven't played anyone. They beat Buffalo, Charlotte, and SMU, um, and Michigan State. So um, yeah, I think um, there's other teams deserving to be inside the top 25 before Maryland gets back up there. 
Yeah, and uh, I, I'm just, I got to see them firsthand, watch them play, and uh, this is this is more of an eye test thing um, as opposed to who they played and how they won. Um, they got an explosive offense, and their defense is uh, pretty stout. So uh, that's why I bring it up. Uh, but yeah, looking uh, look look just looking ahead towards end of the season where everybody falls in and the actual rankings of when people played. Uh, I. I think you see Maryland breaking into the top 25. I have them losing two of the last three, though. Um, potentially three of the last four with having to go to Wisconsin and Camp Randall, oh. having to play at Penn State, and then play Oklahoma or Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, I, so. Well, and you look at that. You look at that schedule. That is, uh, they got Ohio State at home. And Ohio State's going to be looking at the team up north, as they call us. Yes, uh, yes. So uh, that would be a that would be an intriguing line there. I, I know Ohio State's going to be heavily favored, but I don't think if you're Ohio State, I don't think you look past Maryland and, and plan for Michigan just yet. Yeah. Get to that point. And then uh, rounding out the top twenty-five in my poll, I have Utah at twenty-one after their loss, um, Kentucky at twenty-two. Kansas at 23. They only drop a few slots um, just because they played TCU tough. BYU's in there at 24 um, after falling to Notre Dame. And then, yes, I have James Madison rounding out my top 25 ahead of Florida, Minnesota, yeah. Coastal Carolina, Illinois, North Carolina, and Purdue. Yeah, uh, I, I don't have any disagreements on the, those rankings. So, um uh, I think I think all that really matters is uh, that those top ten um, where they're going to be jockeying around um, because, like I stated earlier, you I think I, I think you're looking at a um, college football playoff where you have one representative from four of the major five or power five conferences instead of like years past where you see two a two SEC team or uh, you know. Um, Big Ten, you only get three conferences in, but I think you're going to get four different teams this year in the college football playoff. Yeah, and I think this is the first time, and I have to look back at the at each individual week, but if I'm counting correctly, I have one, two, three, four, five. I have six games involving matchups that have two top 25 teams going at it. Yeah. That's... So you're gonna have six moving around. Um, two of which, uh, two of those games involve two top ten teams battling it out. Yeah. Uh, starting with Michigan and Penn State next week. Um. So. Yep. And then Tennessee and Alabama follow close behind. I believe a two thirty kick up there. So. Yeah. Uh, good. This is a great week for football coming in. Um. The last few weeks, you kind of got to scrape around to find something interesting to watch. But this coming week, you got US, uh, Utah, right? This week. Yep, you that's got, gonna be a late kickoff, I believe. Yeah, eight thirty, um, eight thirty p.m. Eastern. It's, it's eight o'clock, eight o'clock Eastern. So that's not too terrible. But you have Mississippi State and Kentucky kicking off just before that. Um, and then you have NC State, Syracuse. So you have a little bit of a gap between the 
the noon and three thirty kickoffs before you get into the the quieter games in the evening. Um, so. Yeah, uh, it's week seven. On to week seven, and it's going to be a fun week. Starting, starting with our matchup, of course. <laughs> so, well, best We're of luck. Not watch Alabama, Alabama, Alabama Rocky Top. So, yeah, what yeah. a great. Yeah. Well, best of luck to your Wolverines. Um, thank you so much for your time this morning and uh, jumping on the best with me. Uh, look forward to having you hopefully in the future on on future events, and uh, maybe I'll get a, uh, a get a quote from you depending on the outcome. Regardless, you know it'll be a good game between Penn State and Michigan. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited for it, and uh, I'll just uh, I'm gonna turn off all my social media till the end of the game, and then we'll we'll, we'll get a full reaction. <laughs> all right, buddy. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, and I uh, hope you have a great Sunday and uh, enjoy some. Some NFL football. Yeah, buddy. And uh, Green Bay and uh, the Giants are tied right now over in London. So. Oh, yeah. And speaking of other sports, um, I, I just want to take a second and give my hats off um, to Yachty and to Pools. Um, their season ended last night, and their careers technically ended last night um, after their loss to the Phillies. So, um two great base players of our generation come to an end. Um, and that's something the MLB is going to lose um, for the time being until the next regime kind of comes up. Yeah. Uh, hats off to those guys. Uh, hell of a career. And uh, man, uh, the MLB definitely needs to, uh, you don't get stars like that very often in the MLB and they're not very good at marketing their stars. So it's definitely uh something that the sport needs to, to work on a little better. So losing poop halls to retirement is a, is a big hit on them as a, as a league. Yeah. It was definitely good to see him go out in a, in a Cardinals uniform where, where he really solidified his career and, and became a no name. So. Yep. So it was a pleasure, buddy. I appreciate your time and uh, love talking football with you. Awesome. Well, have a good one, and uh, let's get. I'm going to tune into some some NFL football here, and, and all right, fancy teams. And make sure my lineups are good. So, win some money. Take it easy, buddy. <laughs> yeah. All right, have all right, right buddy. buddy.